You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine, back from his, well, he just missed one episode, really, and we got to introduce our new contributor, Bengals Sands, Mike. We've done two episodes with Mike now, and we're going to do another one very soon, as he's doing a film breakdown series on allbengals.com that's giving us an opportunity to dive in in depth on the podcast as well. Talk about positional value because some of the players he's highlighting, some of the best players on this team happen to be players that have really interesting positional value discussions around them, starting with Jesse Bates and Joe Mixon, which we did the last couple of weeks. And then the next one on the list is going to be DJ reader. We're going to talk about Von Bell at some point, and then we're going to have film breakdown during the season. So we're excited for the addition of Mike Bengals underscore Sands, just reiterating that for anybody that missed it. We've got a couple deep dives out there, so I highly encourage you to go listen to them because I'm sure, James, that's what you were doing while you were away, while you were moving, doing your thing. Actually, yeah, I did listen to you guys talk about Joe Mixon, and I was excited about it because he's obviously bullish on Mixon's talent. At the same time, on your end, you're like, yeah, do running backs matter? Do they not? And I thought it was a really good discussion. And I also think that Joe Mixon is a very talented running back, which happens to be a great segue into the first thing we're going to talk about today, James. ESPN has been putting out these lists of top 10 players at their position as voted on by various player personnel executives around the NFL. Running backs came out on Tuesday. Of course, we're recording this on Tuesday night. And Joe Mixon is the second Bengals player to make one of these top 10 lists. And he came in at number nine. And there are a lot of things to talk about, I think, when we look at this top 10 list generally and as a retrospective. And then furthermore, you consider that Joe Mixon's specific position at number nine among running backs. I mean, this list left Nick Chubb at number four. It really respects Alvin Kamara, who... I think rightfully so, but has had some injuries and still really likes Ezekiel Elliott, which makes sense. Josh Jacobs, again, makes sense. But Joe Mixon coming in at number nine, ahead of Josh Jacobs at number 10. And looking at the honorable mentions, Jonathan Taylor, Kareem Hunt, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, I think that it's fair to say Joe Mixon clearly better than those honorable mentions. But once you get to the top 10, uh, you, you could really debate back and forth on a lot of these guys from a talent perspective. There's no doubt. I mean, to me, Christian McCaffrey, I would have him one, <laughs> you know, and so uh, it, it really just depends on what you're looking for. Alvin Kamara could easily be one. But again, both of those guys have had injuries. I think if you ask people in Cleveland, they would say Nick Chubb is the best running back in football. Obviously, the Titans and uh, even NFL executives have Derrick Henry. And, and so the thing to me, Jake, is this is Mixon's chance if he wants to get out of that fringe range, right, that he was eighth last year in these rankings, ninth this year. This is the year he's going to do it. Either we're going to see him take a leap or he's going to be the same guy. And that's just kind of who Joe Mixon is. And I think it, it's one or the other. And, and hopefully we see him 
take a step forward because he has the coaching around him that he needs, because the offensive line is better, because the quarterback is better, because the offensive system fits exactly what he needs to flourish the same way McCaffrey has flourished and Kamara has flourished and all of these top running backs have. But I looked at the the eight guys ahead of him and I cannot from a, an unbiased impartial view say Joe Mixon should be ahead of those guys in these rankings. And so I think it's about right with Mixon at number nine. Yeah. I actually think it's relatively perfect where Joe Mixon ends up. I think, like you said, there's great arguments for the guys ahead of him. And and that's actually reflected in the way they voted. Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry on various executives lists all were ranked as high as number one. Derrick Henry, who ends up at number one on one person's list, was number six. The lowest Kamara was was eight. Cook, seven. Chubb, eight. McCaffrey, 11 on somebody's list. Barkley, 12. Ezekiel Elliott, 12. So clearly, wide-ranging opinions on these running backs, right? And and one thing that I find interesting about this is that the NFC offensive coach who is quoted talking about Mixon is the more teams he plays against, the more respect he'll get. He has all the tools to be really good, plays on a bad team that's holding him back. We saw similar comments with Jesse Bates, right? And probably we'll see similar stuff with Joe Burrow until this team shows that they can be a winning team. And once we're through this exercise, I'm not expecting the Bengals to have a top 10 wide receiver when wide receivers come out when you're listening to this on Wednesday. I'm not expecting the Bengals to have a top 10 tight end when you're listening to this. Maybe you're listening on on Thursday on the 15th when the tight ends come out. So that will give the Bengals two players that these executives have voted collectively are the top 10 at their respective positions. And so what does that say about the talent level of this team? On the one hand, these lists are very flawed. On the other hand, this is uh, an aggregate ranking system where they're pulling a number of executives and they're they're listing guys and, and they're compiling these results. So prevailing opinion is the Bengals seem to only have two guys at the top 10 of their position and, and an honorable mention in Joe Burrow. And we'll see if any of the receivers crack an honorable mention list. I think the receiver unit as a group, very good, but there's so many elite individual wide receivers in the NFL. I have a hard time seeing the Bengals cracking the list for any of their guys individually. Yeah. I don't think they'll have anyone in the top 10 now in six months, a year from now that could change at the same time. Tyler Boyd can't get an honorable mention. Like he he should have 3000 yard seasons in a row. And if it wasn't for Burrow's injury, he would have easily topped the 1000 yard mark or if it wasn't for a late season concussion that basically cost him two games, he probably would have cracked the 1000 yard mark. So, I do think Boyd uh is kind of deserving of that, but I, I I agree with you it's probably unlikely. And that's the thing with this team. There's the the theme, Jake. Even with Guys like Mixon and Bates, who as of right now are the only two to crack the top 10, as you mentioned, at their respective position. Those guys have something to prove still. There's just so much that the best players, the most talented players on this team, whether it's a high-end free agent signing like Trey Hendrickson or Trey Waynes to rookies like Jamar Chase, second-year players, or even a guy entering his fifth year like Joe Mixon. They have talent, but it isn't proven in the numbers yet. 
And that's the part they need to do this season. And that's that's the fun of what we get to do because we're going to get to watch it and get to cover it. And hopefully they can uh, more times than not exceed what uh, some of these evaluators are saying they are uh, as a not only as a team, but as individuals. Yeah, I think this could be a team that if they do end up winning is, you know, some is greater than the parts kind of deal because there's so many players on this team that are in the good, not great territory right now. And obviously any of them could take a leap. And I think the Bengals are kind of counting on some of these guys doing that and taking that leap. But I mean, I'm a broken record. I feel bad that I keep saying it, but until we see it, this team hasn't really earned that trust from me that, that wants to buy in and say, yeah, this year, we're going to see positive steps at more positions from more players than we don't see positive steps from. We're going to see more progression than regression, but they haven't really shown me that that's going to be the case. Right. And, and I don't think they've proven that they're going in that direction yet, but the pieces are there to make that happen. And one piece that might break out in a big way this year, according to some statistical clustering work done by Arjun Menon. T. Higgins up there with the elite. We'll talk about what that means and how he qualified to be classified as one of the quote unquote studs coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, including game for the NBA finals on Wednesday night. It's the Bucks. It's the Suns. Can Giannis Antetokounmpo score 40 points for a third straight game and lead the Bucs to victory? Or will Chris Paul take a commanding 3-1 lead over the Bucs? You can bet on that. Plus, maybe you like the over on T. Higgins and the Bengals this season. You could do that as well. NFL prop bets and so much more in one spot. BetOnline.ag. Get off the sidelines. Get in on the action. Get in on the game. And go to BetOnline.ag right now. Sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. It's that simple. Promo code locked on at betonline.ag. And when you make that first deposit, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, James, I said we were going to talk about this clustering analysis on wide receivers next. And what was done in this particular study is there were several variables defined and then wide receivers were assigned into buckets based on who they were similar to. So the variables used were yards after catch, average, average yards after catch per reception, average depth of target, yards per reception, yards per route run, how often the receiver ran his routes out of the slot drop rate and contested catch rate. And these variables combined to form six different clusters that would tell you what kind of receiver you were dealing with in that bucket. Cluster one was a slot guy. So they had a high slot rate, a relatively low yards per reception and a low average depth of target. You think about Tyler Boyd, who was a cluster one guy. That is a lot of slot productivity. A lot of slot routes are indeed short. They're quick. And a lot of really productive slot wide receivers end up in cluster one. Cluster two is defined as quote unquote, do it all guys. This is a low slot rate with low contested uh, receptions. This is guys like Mike Evans, Michael Gallup, T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, Christian Kirk. 
not necessarily the cream of the crop, not the most productive receivers, but some very good receivers in this list. None the less highlighted, I think, by Mike Evans. Cluster three, James, is the studs. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time because this is where T. Higgins lands. This is high yards per route run, low drop rate, and high yards per reception. This is where T. Higgins lands. We'll talk a little bit more about his company in this group and what this means in a second. Cluster number four is called Mr. Sticky Hands, James. That's a low drop rate, high yards after catch, high slot rate. Cluster five has probably played basketball before, high contested catch rate, high average depth of target, low yards after catch per reception. I imagine this is where Auden Tate would be if his sample size was big enough to be on this list. Cluster six is the boomer bust, high depth of target, high drop rate, high yards after catch, high yards per catch. So T. Higgins in cluster three. Here's some of the other names just to give you an idea of his company. Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, Tyree Kill, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Cooks, DJ Moore. Those are those are the eight names before you get to T. Higgins' name on the list. After Higgins is listed Chase Claypool, A.J. Brown, Will Fuller, Julio Jones. I mean, pretty much all of the great wide receivers in the NFL in this list. There's a few exceptions. I mentioned Mike Evans in a different cluster, some of the slot guys in a different cluster, uh, and, and Adam Thielen, Marvin Jones, Allen Robinson all end up in a slightly different cluster. They're still really productive vertical guys, but that that third cluster, the studs, as it's put by the article, puts T. Higgins in some very, very strong company. No doubt about it. I mean, you read those names. What's the the lowest one? Brandon Cooks, maybe, I guess. But, I mean, he's he's been great for a long time. Chase Claypool, similarly uh, to T. Higgins entering a second year, but was impressive. That's uh, that's really good company. And for those, because there was a lot of this, right, before the draft, T. Higgins can be a receipt wide receiver one. Well, can you imagine the scenario where T. Higgins does develop and does become a wide receiver one, and then you look at the other side, and you got Jamar Chase, and he can do what we think, the, and the Bengals certainly think he can do. I mean, that would be a hell of a a one in one a punch. So, the fact that T. Higgins one has been mentioned in this cluster, it bodes well for his future. But I also think it's reflective of how Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and the the coaching staff used him. There's been a lot of debate, and we talked about Joe Mixon last segment, right, about how he's been used since entering the NFL and and how it's not all his fault while he isn't up there with Dalvin Cook and some of those other guys from his draft class. Well, we saw last year that this coaching staff knows what T likes and they can put him in position to win, and he obviously had a great rapport with Joe Burrow. So that's – it's, there's no reason to think that Higgins isn't going to top the 1,000 yard mark this year, really, and, uh, and and continue to rise and continue to be better and better. I think it's interesting because on its face, you wouldn't necessarily think that his athleticism matches up with some of these guys, right? Like he doesn't move like Stefan Diggs. He doesn't move like Justin Jefferson. He doesn't move like really most guys on this list. I was actually a little bit surprised that he didn't end up with Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones. Uh, you know, we play basketball list, but I guess he didn't have a terribly high contested catch rate in in his rookie year. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually moved because there's still some very productive receivers in that group, some very productive vertical receivers in particular that the big players like Allen Robinson 
and, and even actually Mike Thomas, the Saints Mike Thomas is is in that group. I was surprised that Thomas wasn't in the in the slot group, but cluster three is really interesting because all of those really efficient receivers that he's in the company of are in this list, the alpha receivers on their team, as it was, as it was mentioned by this piece. And I just find that to be really interesting, just how many great receivers fit into the same statistical profile as T Higgins. Like I said, there are some differences for sure. He could very well see himself moving into, into cluster five, which I think is also a very productive cluster. And the other thing that I found interesting about this, James, is he, he noted the number one receiver from each team and which bucket it fit into. And for the Bengals, they're one of two teams in the NFL to, by his definition, by the way he did this, have their number one receiver in cluster one, the slot guy. And it was Tyler Boyd for the Bengals there joining the New York Giants. Sterling Shepard is the only other team to have their slot guy being the number one on the team for most teams it was a, a cluster three guy. And then following that was, was cluster four and cluster five, cluster four being the consistent guys, the Keenan Allen's of the world, the Jarvis Landry's of Robert Woods of the world. So some really promising stuff for T Higgins going forward. The fact that he made the most of his opportunities when he was on the field, had a high yards per route run, despite the Bengals being a three receiver group, a majority of the time it's been recently observed and, and, I think astutely pointed out that yards per route run favors wide receivers who run in two wide receiver sets more often because wide receivers get more targets than, than other positions on the football field for most teams. And so for the Titans in particular, AJ Brown and Corey Davis have really high yards per route run because their target hogs are wide receiver on that team. There's no third receiver that's taking targets away from them for the Bengals for a guy like uh, T Higgins to be in that group when you have AJ Green getting all the targets he got, Tyler Boyd getting all the targets he got. I think that makes it more impressive. And he's one of the relatively few wide receivers that's able to crack this list despite being in a prolific wide receiver target offense. And the, the crazy part is, Jake, I could see that the the efficiency part of things continuing. Like I, I think T. Higgins' job might be easier this year than it, than it was last year. And cause there's a lot of pressure when AJ green's no longer being double teamed and the, the league kind of figures out how the Bengals are going to use him with a bunch of slants. Right. And he, he's not going to go downfield much anymore. And, and so T had to deal with that and really deal with that mid year. I, I think about the Colts game when they connected downfield in the first quarter and ended up going up 21, nothing. That's when we kind of saw T not that he didn't break out before that, but he was kind of their downfield presence. And and so I think he can continue to be that efficient. And I think that that's sort of the ceiling for this passing game is you have these three receivers that, yeah, they're going to be targeted a lot, but they're going to be efficient. And I think two of them, uh, I mean, would it shock you if both of these guys averaged in both of these guys, I mean, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, 14 plus yards per catch? Like, I don't think that's crazy. It might be just a touch high. My initial reaction was that I think it sounded reasonable, but when I go back and look at last year, I think it might actually just be a hair high. T. Higgins last year, 13 and a half yards per catch. But you look at a team like the Vikings, which is really prolific. Justin Jefferson, 16 yards per catch, really, really high. But then Adam Thielen, just 12 and a half. So both guys getting over 14, I think would be a challenge. I think it's doable. 
but I think like over 13 is probably more reasonable. That's fair. You know, more reasonable. My expectations are high, Jake. Got high expectations because Boyd's going to come in at 12 and a half. He's going to be the Thielen, right? No, it's... That's the thing, though, is I think the Bengals' vision is this explosive, efficient offense, and we'll see if it it comes to light. But that's why they they drafted T. Higgins a couple years ago, and then you draft Jamar Chase a few months ago, and, and you're hoping to put together one of the NFL's most prolific passing offenses. And Joe Burrow bought, is bought in. Zach Taylor's bought in. We'll see if uh, if they can do it. But that's where they're at. Speaking of bought in, are you bought in on the 2021 Bengals? If you want to watch training camp practice, we'll have those dates and get into a cool event coming up next. One of my favorite things about Built Bar lately is that they're rotating their flavors and bringing some stuff back that they haven't had for a while. And they, if you're in time, might have the limited time flavor grasshopper cookie available for you too. And that's that Built Bar version of a thin mint cookie. If you like those Girl Scout cookies, you can get them once a year. Well, maybe you can get them a little bit more often if you start indulging that taste with a Built Bar as well. If it's not that, German chocolate, cookies and cream, orange, strawberry, cherry, barcia, mint brownie also out there for you. They're all still healthy. They've all still got that 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories capping out at just 180, very low on sugar, very low on carbs, all tasty, all healthy. So go get that grasshopper cookie if you can or raspberry, whatever you like. So go check out the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team at built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Training camp is right around the corner and I'm sure you're wondering, can you go watch practice? Well, if you can't, if you're out of town, the good news is is Jake and I have you covered here on Locked On Bengals. But if you're in town later this month, maybe July 31st on a Saturday, the Bengals announced that they're going to have back together Saturday. All 32 teams set to participate in this as the NFL comes back, welcomes you back. And the best news, it's free. All you got to do is go to bengals.com slash camp and sign up for free tickets and you you can do that up until monday july 26th but just a couple of things jake that people will be able to get and fans will be able to get if they attend you're talking about inflatables for the kids face painting balloon artists pictures with who day the mascot the bengals cheer zone and not only do you get to watch practice but there's a chance you can win some autographed footballs the first 5,000 fans in attendance or receive a Bengals silicone wristband. And best of all, you get to watch practice. I'll be there. So why not go there? And if you can't make that date for whatever reason, Saturday, August 7th and Sunday, August 8th, practice is going to be open. Normal training camp practices, but you'll be able to see Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and the rest of the team there. So three practices, Jake, that the Bengals are opening up the fans, which I, I think is cool. And one quick note, uh, as far as COVID is concerned, uh, you, you do not for that um, any of the events, but specifically the July 31st event because it's the biggest. You do not need to supply a vaccination card, nor will you need to wear a mask to enter Paul Brown Stadium. Also noteworthy, I think, while talking about COVID-related things and restrictions, those second two practices on Saturday, August 7th and Sunday, August 8th are limited to 1,000 people. So if you're one of those people that really wants to make sure you get in there, Go be proactive, go register for that opportunity. 
Go check it out. Bengals.com does have more details there. I like that they're doing some stuff for the fans here, James. I mean, this is on the heels of that Ben Volan article that, I mean, I don't know why you would think that's a good idea to publish. I, I You're not going to make anyone happy when you write a list that like ranks NFL cities. For one, NFL teams are generally in the biggest cities in the United States. So like, of course, by most people's rankings, they would rather go hang out in New York and have New York nightlife and New York food options than Cincinnati. But people listening to this are also going to tell me I'm crazy and Cincinnati's awesome and it's come up in the last, you know, 15 years since I lived there, which I know it has. And Cincinnati is great and there's a lot going for it. But all that being said, one of the things that I've criticized the team for is not doing enough for the fans, not doing a Bengals fest like thing. Just borrow from the Reds, take the Reds, iterate on it, do it better, take their best idea and, and improve on it. Right. And it's hard to do. I get that it's hard to do in a year coming off of COVID when there's still all sorts of restrictions in place for the NFL. But I think this is a good step, right? They're doing something cool. And we're going to find out what number Hude is wearing now. Since Jamar Chase took his number, that's <laughs> going to be big. And uh, Dan Horde and Dave Lapham, our friends, friends of the show, will be providing live commentary for those in attendance for that big event in July. So pretty cool stuff here for Bengals fans. I am jealous of everybody who gets to go. That's just 17 days away from uh, our recording of this episode. And I'm not going to be able to make it to training camp this year is the way it looks, but I'll live vicariously through everyone else who's there. I'll be your eyes, Jake. I got you. Eyes and ears. We'll do a recap Perfect. of uh, of the practice. Who knows what happens? Maybe Joe Burrow throws a deep to Jamar Chase down the right sideline. You know, I, I can't wait to hear Dan Hort's call there, right? That would be they, fun. They got to put on a show when they have the fans there, right? Like they've got to mm-hmm. be ready to dial up that Burrow to Chase deep stuff. Well, Burrow didn't get any of that last year, and he's he's a bit of a showman, right? Like he's going to want to show off for the fans a little bit, and uh, so there you go. There's a take. Remember a few weeks ago when I said like fully cleared? Uh, you know, we can go back and forth about that, but I, I would be shocked if Burrow is not participating on Family Day, 17 days from as we record this on July 31st. Yeah, he'll be out there. I think he'll be out there for every like I'm 100 percent confident that he'll be out there for things that aren't 11 on 11. And then for 11 on 11, I'm not so sure yet, especially early in camp. So this will be relatively early in camp, just a few days into camp. We're expecting that players and coaches will start to get back into Cincinnati late next week. And then training camp will start after the weekend. So this is what this is the first week of camp, the end of the first week of camp or so that they're doing this event. Yep. It's just a few days into camp. Yeah. So just pretty early on. So maybe not doing full 11 on 11 stuff yet. Everyone's on vacation. Uh, Joe Burrow's girlfriend just put a picture up on Instagram that Zim Hude, he was out there putting the pictures up on his Twitter page or paddling a boat somewhere. Joe Burrow found a lily pad and then they were on a beach or something. It looked beautiful. I'm jealous of their life. I'm working from home doing my normal thing. They're out on vacation living that football quarterback life. And, uh, you know, who's not a little jealous of NFL quarterbacks? That's fair. It's a good life. It's a lot of pressure. But if you're like Burrow and you embrace that pressure, then it's a really good life. Are you sure he didn't just go canoeing at like Morgan's Canoe Rental here north of Cincinnati? You sure that's not where he was? 
I'm not sure. It could be that his girlfriend has gone to this wonderful looking white sand, blue water beach without him on the next day. And they were just paddling a canoe together. I don't know. Maybe it was like uh, Sharon Woods. You know, they got the the uh, the little pedal boats there. I don't know yeah. if they still have them. They did when I lived in Cincinnati. Maybe Joe should have offered uh, an invite to Ben Volan and he could have toured him around Cincinnati and showed him all the stuff we have to offer. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to my only advice to people that were upset by that is like, who cares? Uh, again, yeah. there's no way Ben Volan was going to write that piece in a way that didn't upset 16 to 25 cities. So you can be upset. But like, honestly, who cares? It's not like when you go to a city as a visiting journalist, you're experiencing the city. You're there for like two days. You're maybe eating at one or two restaurants and you're mostly hotel stadium until like late if it's a primetime game, especially, and then you're flying home. So it's not like you really often have the opportunity to explore these cities a ton. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that that's the problem. And so it's a tough one. It expecting him to know each city in and out. I probably taste, I was in Cleveland for two years and I had some of their, their better food, but there are restaurants I still didn't get to. And I lived in downtown, the heart of downtown Cleveland for two years. Right. So like it's it's tough. There are restaurants in Cincinnati I still need to get to. And I grew up here, but they're newer. Or I just haven't been able to get to them yet. And life happens. And so, yeah, Ben Volan, I'm not mad at him. I just, you well, know, I, I also don't think he's wrong or I, or I don't think he's right about that. But if you if you're asking him and his editor asked him to do those rankings or he came up with the idea to do those rankings, then you got to understand you're going to take some heat and. That's uh, that's exactly what's happening. But, you know, the thing I loved about the the rankings is the fact that Seth Tanner said, hey, man, just just wait till the, the game day experience in the Bengals. Seth Tanner, who joined us back in March, he's the, the Bengals director of content. And my man was like, you guys are going to see stuff you've never seen come September. And I just I love that because that's that energy that I, I think the entire organization has right now. And, and whether it's the PR side and the content side or you know, Joe Burrow and the player side, they, they seem to have a, a little bit of swagger. And I like seeing that tweet from Seth. I like it too. And that's also why they have to nail it on the field, because I just can't imagine all this effort that they've put into the game day experience to, to come out flat on the actual football field, because that really is ultimately the thing that most fans are going to care about the most. Last thing before we get out of here, James, our very own Locked On Network Twitter handle pointed out that today is National French Friday as we record this. And the question was posed, what is your favorite kind of French fry? And I, I asked my followers, and some people call me a crazy person, but is it a bad take that my preference is curly fries given the choices? I mean, a well-done curly fry is, is fun and delicious and layered. And I really like it, but it also depends a lot on what you're eating it with. So like standalone, I, I prefer curly fries. If I'm eating it with something, maybe I prefer a different kind of fry. Depends on how you're dressing them or how you're seasoning them. For example, if I was having like a Buffalo blue cheese kind of fry dish, I wouldn't want it with curly fries, but a straight up fry, I'm on curly fries. What about you? And, and how much do you disagree with me? I don't necessarily disagree. It depends. Like there are times in my life where I've loved a, a good curly fry, but see, I'm looking at the the picture that locked on NFL tweeted out and, uh, or locked on podcast, excuse me, at locked on network. 
and those waffle fries look mighty good. And then if you, if you want to talk about throwing some cheese on those things with some bacon, oh, baby, load them up a bit. Now uh, now you're talking, and now I'm getting hungry, and now I'm salivating. So I'm going to have to get a built Bar. But, yeah, those waffle fries, you load them up, that's, uh, that's tough to beat. There's a time and a place for each kind of French fry, I think, because you're right for, for like loaded French fries. If you're going to do like a loaded baked potato kind of thing on a fry, you want the waffle fry for the surface area. But in my opinion, if you, if you want like that, that saucy fry, like a, a chili cheese fry, I mean, it also works okay with waffle fries, I think, but I prefer that on just like a classic McDonald's style fry shape. And I like those on the crinkle. Yeah. Oh, really? The, yeah, you, you, you throw some cheese on some crinkle fries, baby. Yeah. Ooh. I think something about the proportions of the crinkle fry just lose me. Like the the exterior to interior ratio. I don't know. This is probably a little too much for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. So let's end it there. We'll be back with a mailbag later on this week. We've got one more week of three episodes. And then we're back on it, James. Training camp is going in just a little bit over a week. So get ready for the mailbag. That's coming your way next time on Lockdown Bengals. And until then, hootay and have a good one.